Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. That's been our focus as we've been diving into Romans chapter 12. That's where Paul begins. The mercies of God are new every morning. That's the starting point of our faith, the foundation that we build upon. Right? It's not anything I have done. It's who he is and what he's done. Aren't you thankful for Jesus this morning? For his goodness and his mercy? As we began looking at Romans 12, this is where Paul begins. The mercy that has so generously been given to all of us. And we've made it two verses into this chapter. Today we're going to get one more verse further. We're going to look at verse 3 together. And I promise we won't go verse by verse by verse all the way through it. Um, But Paul has really already been taking us on a journey in Romans chapter 12. You know, in verse 1 he says, we need to bring our whole selves to God. Nothing held back as living sacrifices because his mercy is so incredible. Verse 2 he says, so we don't conform any longer to the ways of this world, but we allow God to transform us from the inside out. We give him permission to change the way we think, the way we operate. We're going to go one step further today. And today, for some of us, this may be where the rubber hits the road. You know, we're going to go on into a lot of of practical things, but today Paul is going to address something that I believe is going to speak to every single heart in the room. Because we're all going to be somewhere with what he uh, is addressing today. It's a daily thing that we contend with, which is our pride, our comparison, and our sense of self. So let's pray together and let's get into the word. Father, thank you that your word is so practical, that it's so uplifting, that it's such a pure mirror for us to look in and see our lives as they genuinely are. Father, we pray that you would reveal to us things in our own hearts, that we may bring them to you and say, Lord, I'm bringing all of me to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Does anybody else look out at the world in 2023 and, and just kind of feel like the world is changing faster than I can keep up with? Anybody have that thought ever? Like, wow, I can't keep up with how fast things are moving. You know, the trends in our culture, they seem to change by the minute, right? I can't remember who I was joking with uh, this week, but I was you know, like, remember when we used to call things rad? <laughs> you know, like change, you have little changes, but then big things are changing in our culture by the minute, according to me, my selfie, and I, right? Yeah, I, I think that the changes we see in our culture, they're going to point us exactly at what Paul wants to challenge in us today. Comparison culture, self-centeredness, and pride. I mean, like 15 years ago, um, we didn't even know what a selfie was, right? And now... They just dominate the news feeds of entire generations. You know, we could be honest, like we tend to focus on ourselves a lot more than we used to. And it's amazing how much more we're trained to put ourselves at the center of the universe in 2023 than we were even just a decade ago. And it's also amazing how that self-focus caused us to do some really dumb things. <laughs> you know, it's easy to point at other people, but... It causes me to do some really dumb things, too. But I want to share a story I read from a really great book called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. Last year, I read this book, and she retells the story of Dick Bass, who is the son of a wealthy oil baron, and he was just an ambitious mountain climber. 
So this guy had everything, and his big pursuit, what he drew all his meaning from, is he was tackling all the peaks out there, right? He's climbing every mountain. And so he loved to talk to anyone and everyone about his latest expedition he was on. It was his favorite thing to do, is talk about this. And on one day, he was on a cross-country flight across the United States, and he was droning on and on to the man sitting in the seat next to him about the dangers of Mount McKinley, Mount Everest, telling story after story to this man. As they were about to land on this cross-country flight, writes Murphy, Bass realized he hadn't properly introduced himself to the man sitting next to him. That's okay, the man said, extending his hand. I'm Neil Armstrong. It's nice to meet you. I bet that Dick Bass in that moment wanted to just crawl in a hole and die, right? Because you might have climbed every single mountain on earth, but there's always somebody who's walked the moon, right? Didn't Jesus teach us like this? He said, hey, when you go to a party, don't put yourself at the honor position at the head of the table, right? Somebody might come along who's more worthy of that seat than you, who's more noteworthy than you. You know, the Bible teaches us to, to keep ourselves in right perspective, right? Today, as we get into the text, Paul wants to make sure that we understand something. See, that same thing that we're laughing about right there, that same spirit that wants to focus on me and what I'm doing all the time, that lives in you and me too. That lives inside of you and me too. It's easy to laugh or deride people who are being ridiculous in their self-centeredness, but the Bible says that same root is in all of our hearts. Every single one of us, without fail, we all have a sinful nature. We all have a flesh, and though we may not be the boisterous, kind of self-unaware type that drones on about ourselves all the time, we all wrestle with pride in one way or another. It's in our nature. And if you don't believe me, have kids, right? It's amazing. You have kids. You don't have to teach them self-centeredness. You don't have to teach them the word mine. It's just there. See, from the garden until now, every human being arrives at the same train of thought. What if I was in charge? Why shouldn't I call the shots? Why shouldn't I just make the world in my image? Why do I have to, you know, align with anybody else? That's in every single one of our hearts. And today, as we're looking at the text, Paul, he wants to get more and more practical with us over this chapter about how we live together, honor one another, serve one another. But he doesn't start by pointing us outward with commands of do this and do that for each other. He actually starts by calling us to assess what's going on on the inside, on the inside. You probably, you probably know this already, but it's really, really hard to think about others and their needs and love on others if you're thinking of yourself all the time, right? We're going to get into a lot of things over the course of this chapter that we're called to do for one another, practical commands from Scripture. But today, we're going to start where Paul starts again, and he starts with how we think about ourselves. What is it that's going on when we think about ourselves? I want to read to you Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and it'll be on your screen for you in the NIV. We'll read it from that. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul addresses our pride, our self-centeredness, our natural competitiveness that we all have within us. 
And if you're sitting out here today and you're thinking, well, I know I don't need to hear this talk. I don't have that going on. Well, maybe that's exactly what you need then. Pride. How we struggle with pride. Anybody want to raise your hand and say, yeah, I struggle with it. All right. Remember, repentance, confession is good for the soul. That's a good thing. Paul wants us to recognize every single one of us wrestles with pride. Every single one of us has always wrestled with pride and will always wrestle with pride. So let's take a few moments and step through this incredible verse. He says, first and foremost, he says, by the grace given me, by the grace given to me. You see, the same phrasing here is exactly what he used in verse 1. In verse 1, he said, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Because of God's mercies, because of the incredible nature of what God has done for us, we can all live out this way. But here, he says, specifically, he says, by the grace that God's given to me. Because of the grace he's given to me. You see, God has given to every one of us unbelievable mercy. Amen? Every single one of us has a foundation, a rock that we can build our lives on, what Christ has done for us. And he's called all of us to live with one another in this united body called the church. But, let's be honest, he graces us differently in how to do that, right? He's given you a different grace than he's given to me. He's made us uniquely. Our personalities, our gifts, our talents. Every single one of us is different. And Paul's saying here, he's saying, I was graced to be an apostle. I was graced to be an apostle, Paul says. His apostolic remit, his role, was to challenge them like this. Like he's about to challenge them over the preceding verses here. That's what he is appointed by God to do. That's how he fits in the body. That was his role. You know, we all need to discover, how has God called me to fit in the body? Right? We need to discover our personalities, the shape that he's given us. We also, and maybe most importantly of all, need to discover how he has gifted us spiritually. By the Spirit, the spiritual gifts that he's given to each and every one of us. Because, I'll be honest, my personality can only take me so far, and there's a lot of pitfalls along the way. I got a lot of weaknesses in me. But in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Paul says, I will boast in my weakness, because at the point where I realize I'm not that great, that's when the spiritual gifts that kick in from the Holy Spirit that will do way more. But every single one of us, needs to figure out how has he gifted me? What is the grace he's given me? Paul's grace was to be an apostle. And all of us have things he's imparted to us that are going to serve this house and maybe far beyond this house. Amen? In this little section of Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, he calls us to unity together as a body. But it starts from how we think of ourselves and then flows outward to how we treat each other. Because following Jesus isn't for lone rangers. We need each other in this body. We're going to grow on in this chapter and get to that in some very, very practical ways. But first, Paul says this. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. This is really hard for us. If we're honest, this is really hard for us because we live in a world that says, have it your way. Right? We live in a world that says, you are the be-all and end-all of what's right and good and true in this world. That what we like, what we think, what we feel, what we want, that's what's true, and that's how things should be. But how many of you guys have read the Word and realized that's not exactly lining up with what the Word says? As you survey the Word of God, we realize that we're not in charge 
We're not the be-all and end-all. He is. And as you read the Word of God, you realize that pride and self-centeredness are destructive forces, the root of all kinds of sin and evil and devastation in our lives. Jesus doesn't hold back in addressing pride, and neither does Paul. And Paul, many times, points us back to Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, there's that incredible poem about Jesus, and Paul says this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on the cross. You know, if we're his followers, becoming more and more like Christ, allowing him to transform us from the inside out, you know, we will and we must act on behalf of one another. Not always looking to our own interests, but serving one another in love. Not being selfish or motivated by our pride. But once again, the power to do so comes from the Holy Spirit. And the impetus for that action, all of our actions flow from what's going on in here, right? Particularly the way we think about ourselves. So that's where Paul starts. says, don't think too highly of yourself. And the key to this whole section, the way that we think of ourselves, it builds perfectly on what Paul said over the last few verses. We need to come and bring our whole self to God and let him transform what's going on inside of us, right? But the key is this. He uses the same Greek word in three different ways in this little verse that we just read. The root verb is the verb phroneo in Greek. Phroneo. It means to think or have understanding. But this word isn't just about having thoughts like, I want a burrito for lunch. <laughs> it's, it's about the way that that inner perspective that we hold shapes our action, how it drives our actions. See, we all have thoughts about ourselves, right? We have thoughts about ourselves on a constant basis all day long. It's going to happen. But Paul's telling us there's healthy ways to think about yourselves, right and true ways to think about ourselves, and then there's some really dangerous ways to think about ourselves. Remember, everything God wants us to live out as we follow him, everything that Paul is going to write about and encourage us in, it flows from what's going on on the inside of us, that paradigm that we have, that way of processing the world, our mindset. Paul says there's a right way to think about yourself, allowing God to define you and show you who he's made you to be. And then there's also a wrong way to think about things, taking matters into our own hands, self-determination, my way or the highway, right? So he says, don't think too highly. The version of the word that he's using there is called hippophronian. Hippophronian. It means to think beyond, to act high-minded, lacking humility, and out of touch with reality. Maybe you met somebody this week and you're like, yeah, I met that guy, <laughs> right? Maybe it was you. Let's be honest in church this morning. This verb is a, it's a picture of somebody who is, who is maybe overly proud and self-centered. Someone getting a bit big for their britches. Somebody doing their best Dick Bass in, impersonation, right? The world revolves around them. 
putting themselves in the honored position. He says, don't do this. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Instead, he says, sophronian. And most translations say something like, have sober judgment. Have sober judgment. Be of sound mind. Think shrewdly or safely. For us as believers who've given our lives to Jesus, it means having a God-controlled perspective that moderates us, that keeps us away from dangerous extremes in our thinking. How many of you guys know we need to see more of that in today's world, amen? We live in a, a time where you give somebody like half a sentence and they're blowing you up on Twitter. Extremes are everywhere. We need a God-centered perspective where we allow him to teach us what's right. We need his view on things. I want to take this one step further. You know, the one that Paul commands us here, have sober judgment. I want to drill down on this for just a second. The, the word that Paul says here, sophronian, it implies moderation or balance in our thinking. God-defined balance. It keeps us away from these extremes. When we think of ourselves, I, I like that idea of finding God's balance because we do have extremes in the way that we think of ourselves, don't we? And I, I want to focus on two particular extremes that we see all around us, we see inside ourselves a lot of times. Number one is self-aggrandizement, right? Like, bigging ourselves up. And the other one is self-deprecation, or just tearing ourselves down. These are fancy words, I mean, a lot of times we puff ourselves up, make ourselves look good, and other times we tear ourselves to pieces and we have these negative thoughts about ourselves. We devalue ourselves in our own eyes. And our culture trends towards these two ways of thinking about ourselves, doesn't it? Either with false humility and self-dishonor on one side, and self-actualization and determination on the other side. So it's like we're either loathing ourselves or worshiping ourselves, and we're drawn to these two things in our world. But in an effort to understand God's balance, what Paul is calling us to walk in true humility, I want to just talk about what humility is not for a second. Humility is not self-deprecation. You know, we live in a time where, you know, talking badly about ourselves is everywhere. You know, if you want to have some friends, you want to make people laugh, just kind of like brag on yourself for a little bit. I was so stupid today. Can you believe that, right? It, it kind of wins uh, favor with people sometimes. We get laughs, whatever. And let's be honest, and we say this a lot of times in church, not taking ourselves too seriously is a good thing, right? Amen? But, how many of you guys know it can also become a habit where we go too far with this, where we tear ourselves down and we begin to miss out on the reality that you and I were made in his image, that we're of infinite value to our God, that we're worth dying for? We can get on a train of thinking negatively about ourselves and we get on at this stop, but before you know it, we're a long way down the line and we're thinking very destructive thoughts. Self-deprecation is not humility that God calls us to walk in. C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I'm going to say that again. It's not thinking less of yourself, like, oh, I'm terrible. It's thinking of yourself less often, just doing it less. That's a great statement about what humility really looks like. It's turning our eyes to the interests of others but it's not considering yourself a lost cause because Jesus doesn't. 
Jesus doesn't consider any of us a lost cause. Maybe you're here today and you've been in a cycle of negative thoughts about yourself. Maybe you've been tearing yourself down all day long in your mind. First off, I want you to remember something. Jesus sees you in every single moment. You have never gone so far that he, you're out of his hand. Nothing on earth could take you out of his hands. He sees you. He sees all that you've got going on. He sees you perfectly, and he considers you worth dying for. You are not a nobody to Christ, ever. So if that's the way you've been thinking, I want to encourage you. Those thoughts don't come from the Holy Spirit. Those are the kind of thoughts we need to be arresting and submitting to the word of God. Amen? Amen. If you could only see what God sees when he looks at you, it would astound you. I love, again, what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, remember, the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal, and that includes you and me. So let's be careful that we don't just devalue ourselves with negative self-talk and thinking. Amen? Because we were made in his image. We have unbelievable value to God. We have the potential to become something beautiful or horrible depending on who we're allowing to shape our lives. But don't ever miss out on the fact that God cares so deeply for you, more deeply than you can imagine. My friend Dave, who wrote the Discipleship Journey book that we've all been working ourselves through, he says it like this, God looks on your life with eyes of favor. He looks on your life with eyes of favor. He wants to bless you. He intends to. Luke quotes Jesus and says this, God knows everything about us and cares so deeply, even the hairs of our head are numbered to him. He cares about the small things in your life and the big things. He cares about the little struggles and the big ones. So let's not allow the enemy to tell us that we're worthless, right? Let's not allow that way of thinking about ourselves to dominate us when God says you are worth much more to him than you could ever imagine. Let's avoid this extreme in self-thinking. And let's avoid the other extreme as well. Because we do live in a culture of self-importance and self-promotion. You know, I'm a former brand manager. That was my previous role. And it drives me crazy hearing all kinds of people talking about my brand everywhere they go, right? This is our world today. Everybody's, talk- Everybody's a brand. Did you know you're a brand based on what you put on social media? You're a brand now. I hate that. <laughs> We used to sell products and services. Now we just sell our souls. I am not a brand. Ryan Young is not a brand, and neither are you. We are more than the sum total of what we can create because our value isn't determined by us in the end anyway. Our value is determined by the one who created us, redeemed us, called us, and sanctifies us in his name. So what if we swapped our culture of self-importance for a culture of God-importance? What he says about me, what he cares about, what he wants to see happen. What if we swapped our culture of self-importance for a culture where we ask the Lord, teach me what's amazing about every person that I meet, where everybody is so special because they're special to him. One more time, C.S. Lewis says this, I would prefer to combat the I'm special feeling, not by the thought I'm no more special than anyone else, but by the feeling every single person is just as special as me. 
God wants to bring us back to reality in the way that we think about ourselves, where we don't worship ourselves and we don't loathe ourselves or buy what the enemy's selling. We don't fall into the trap of pride that's been laid for us since the garden, where we want to put ourselves and our desires, our intentions on the throne, but we understand we've been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God cares about every single detail of our lives because he loves us and he delights in us as his children. Amen? The word invites us. Paul in this moment invites us to sober judgment, to right thinking about ourselves, to see ourselves clearly. One of my favorite ways that we, we see talked about the word of God in scriptures is as a mirror for our lives, a mirror. It shows us the reality that we're looking at, right? It shows us how things really are. Have you ever been in one of those funny houses like carnivals or like home days or something like that where they have the different types of mirrors that make you look all funny and you, you walk past some and you look all squiggly and goofy and then some make you look thinner and you're like, hey, how do I get that mirror in my house, right? Come on, let's be honest. In reality, our world gives us a lot of mirrors that we can choose. Hey, according to this mirror, you're doing everything perfectly. Hey, according to this mirror, you don't need to change anything about yourself. Our world offers us many, many mirrors, and oftentimes, we're happier being lied to. We're okay being lied to. We're fine with being lied to because it makes us feel good along the way. You know, but the word of God is, a, is the word of truth. Amen? It tells us what's real, not just what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. And we need that. We need to see our lives as they really are, not just as we like to think they are. I would so much rather see the real me with all my flaws, all my sin, all my brokenness, so I can realize every single day how much I really need Jesus today. Instead of saying to myself, hey, I've got it pretty good. This looks all right. I can roll with that. I'm not as bad as that guy, right? Or when I'm challenged by an area of sin in my life, instead of just dismissing it, I'm just doing the best I can. When Paul says to us, have sober judgment, he means allowing God to show us how things really are inside of us and in our world. So how do we get there? How do we get to this sober judgment? Well, I think the first step, really simply and very practically, is we need to stop settling for the lies, we need to turn off whatever it is inside of us that wants that funky mirror and get the real one in our lives. We need to turn off the ways of the world and say, God, I want your ways of thinking. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. I need your ways, not mine. So the first thing is, yeah, just turn off the ways of the world. The world doesn't often like to look at reality. It likes to bury its head in the sand and pretend things aren't that bad, right? It would rather embrace a fiction that makes us feel good than the truth that calls us to change. Somewhere I hear Jack Nicholson screaming, you can't handle the truth, right? Maybe we can't. But with his help, we can. With his help, we can. We need to commit to being people of the truth. Can you say amen to that one? There will always be things in our lives that kind of focus us inward or puff us up cause us to feel really good about ourselves. And all the way as we're feeling good, it's bearing negative fruit in our lives. We need to empty our life, lives of those things. We need to say, Holy Spirit, 
I want you to show me things that are puffing me up in pride or causing me to tear myself down so I can remove those things and get your perspective instead. And we need to commit to that. And as we allow God to remove some of those false mirrors in our lives, some of those dangerous ways of thinking about ourselves, we focus our eyes instead on Jesus. We fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, we need to focus on Jesus in the way that, that he lived. That's what Paul said. Have the same attitude in you that it was in Christ Jesus. And he calls us to live out that kind of life, the way Jesus modeled it for us. Now, I'm struck by the fact that Paul reflects on his own life the same way. Sober judgment. In Philippians 3, he says this, If anybody thinks they have reason for pride in and of themselves and in their life, I have more reasons. He goes on to talk about how he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. He was so zealous for the Lord. He had it all going on. And he says this in verse 7, Whatever was to my gain, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Everything else pales in comparison to knowing him. There is nothing more important than knowing him. Paul reflects on his own life with this sober judgment. He calls us to do the same. To avoid those dangerous extremes of our culture and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to think of myself rightly. So let's keep going. He says, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given to you. There's some debates about what Paul means by this. The measure of faith. Like, does somebody have more faith, less faith? What is he saying? One idea is that to follow Jesus at all takes an act of faith. To say Jesus is Lord and I'm giving him my everything takes an act of faith that is the same for all believers. So we assess our lives by whether we're living out that faith in Christ through obedience and love. That's one idea. The other idea is that one that Paul talks about quite a lot across all of his writing, and we'll talk about in this passage further, is the idea that God has given each of us specific gifts to serve one another. And we need faith to exercise, to live out this life with what he's put in us. One commentary says this, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given is not the saving faith, but the faith to receive and exercise the gifts God apportions to us. The phrase, faith God has given, is best understood as a synonym for spiritual gifts. Personally, I don't see a difference between the two. I don't see a distinction. It's not a, an either one way or the other, or it's a both and. It's both the faith that we need to say yes to Jesus and follow him, and the faith that we need to walk it out, specifically as he's gifted us. Because ultimately, if we're following after Jesus with everything we've got, if we're living by faith and not by sight, we will align our lives with the unchanging ways of Jesus that are the same for every single person that says yes to him. But we will also allow him to show us how he's uniquely made us to serve each other. Either way, Paul's saying to us, what we don't do, we don't sit here and measure ourselves against each other. We don't sit here and look at that person and say, well, he doesn't have very much faith and I have more faith than him, or he's gifted this way, but I have this greater gift. We don't measure ourselves against each other. We soberly assess our own hearts on the call of God in the gospel to repent and turn to his ways and follow him. 
So the question here is, have I given him my all? Have I given him everything? Have I given him permission to direct my life in very specific ways based on who he's made me to be? Am I hoarding the gifts and talents that he's entrusted to me to serve others? Am I just keeping it to myself? Am I just going to be a hearer of the word or am I going to be a doer of the word who responds with action? So this is important. Because Paul's saying, God has given each of us something specific that is just for us, but we are all on this journey together and we don't compare ourselves against each other. Our world teaches us comparison every single moment, doesn't it? You know, we love to just consider our lives and say, well, I'm better than that guy or whatever. Sometimes in the church, we've had a lot of comparison. We can repent on behalf of the church, you know, globally speaking, that has been full of comparison over hundreds of years. Comparison, it causes us to either feel good about ourselves and get all puffed up inside, like I'm doing all right here, or to just feel lousy about ourselves and be like, man, I fell short again. Lose sight of how much God knows our failings, knows that we're just dust. (laughs) But in this family that God's creating, full of new creations, we don't measure ourselves against each other. We measure our lives against the full truth of God's gospel against the way he's called us all to live together, generally and specifically to me. So we don't conform to the world's way of worshiping the self or devaluing who God's made us to be. We allow the word of God to be our mirror. Amen? We present ourselves to him so that we can be useful to serve the body as one. We offer our lives for the purpose that he made us for. And we seek to understand the grace and the giftings that he's given us. Paul was graced to be an apostle. We need to understand what is he calling me to be in the body. And step out in faith to live it out. This is our posture before him. God, we want, we want your perspective on our lives. I want you to tell me what you see when you look at me. As I'm being renewed in your image every single day. We just simply say, come Holy Spirit and make me more like Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and make me a new creation. And we, when we learn to live with this posture, you know, there are so many things that God promises to be, bring into our lives. This is what humility looks like from a biblical perspective. It's not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. Focusing on Jesus more. Serving each other more. And when we choose to walk in humility, you know, we become candidates of his grace in our lives. Did you know that? One of the most important things we can do to attract the grace and the favor of God in our lives is choose to walk in humility. When you look at scripture, God moves over and over again in massive ways in the lives of those who are not always the strongest, not always the smartest, not always the most well-equipped or have everything going for them. He moves in the lives of those who are humble, who are hungry for him, who are seeking him. That's the prerequisite for a move of God. James 4, verse 6, to paraphrase, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout all the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is what we're called to by Paul. 
to live with our eyes on him and our hearts burning for one another, to abandon self-focus, whether that's good or bad self-focus, and let him show us his perspective. Amen? And this is also the example that Jesus set for us. Jesus, the servant king, he taught us to live like this. The kingdom that he came to bring is an upside-down kingdom where the first is last and the greatest among us is the servant of all. That's how Jesus lived this out. And he invites us to come to him so he can teach us how to live this out as well. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, that brilliant invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. See, the world will burn us out with its religion of the self. With the extremes of living to satisfy and gratify our every need. Or realizing I'm nothing and wallowing in that. The world will wear us out with that, but Jesus says, hey, come back to me. Come back to me. Learn of me. Let me give you my perspective on you and on everything. Let me show you what I think. I'll show you how to live in a way that actually refreshes your soul, where you realize exactly who I am and who I made you to be, and I am gentle and humble in heart, he says. Come with me. And you won't feel burnout by it anymore. You'll be refreshed. He says, if you'll deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you'll lose your life for my sake, then you'll gain real life for all eternity. Paul calls them to understand, you're never as great as you might think you are, but you're certainly not hopeless. You are always more loved, more cared about than you could ever imagine. So what matters for us today is finding that sober judgment. How do we think about ourselves? It's not how good we are or even how screwed up we might be. It's all about how perfect his love is in our lives. It's all about Christ. And when we turn our focus on him, we're free to recognize our own brokenness. We're free to repent of our sins. We're free to realize the true value of my life isn't in me doing everything right or how much I can accomplish or what my brand looks like out there. The true value of my life is found in how much I'm walking with him and leaning on him along the journey. That's where. That's where I'll find my peace. That's where I'll find my rest. Once again, Romans 12, verse 3. It says this, I'll read it in a different version. It says, because of the privilege and authority God's given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. If you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus, you've already taken that step to say, I'm leaning on him for everything. Now let's walk it out together in Jesus. So I want to give us some practicals and reflect on this little verse that has a lot of power for us. Number one, we need to practice really listening to other people. <laughs> Amen? Because every day we're tempted to be like that guy on the airplane. And just what matters most today is I got this thing I'm, I'm doing. And you know, God cares about the details of our lives. He cares about the business you're in. He cares about your family situation. He cares about you're battling a sickness, whatever it is. He cares about those details. But he's saying, don't get wrapped up in you fixing everything all the time. Submit your way to the Lord, resist the enemy, and move forward. So part of that is we get our eyes off of ourselves all the time, 
We get our eyes on Jesus and we really truly listen to others. Listen to them. We don't listen to anybody anymore, do we? What would it look like to really sit down with somebody? To turn off the distraction? To slow down and be present with them? And just listen to their heart? Ask them how things are really going? I want to challenge you, if you'll do this, I promise it would be amazing what God will do in those kind of conversations. It would be amazing. So the first step is, you know, really listen. Listen first to the Holy Spirit and listen to others. And as you do, ask the Holy Spirit to pinpoint areas in your life, areas in your heart where you have pride or self-centeredness. Now, this is a dangerous prayer. I just want to be real. It's dangerous to say, Holy Spirit, point out my pride in me and help me to be more humble. Because you know what happens? Some things start to humble you. Reality is, along the way, I've discovered, maybe this is just me, but if I'm not willing to let God humble me, I will be humiliated by something I do. Anybody else realize that about themselves? If I'm not willing to say, God, I need you to teach me how to walk in humility as you call me to, somewhere along the way, I'm going to do something humiliating like that guy on the airplane. Either way, you arrive at the same place. Humility, just one way is a really painful way, One way is also painful, but God comes along and says, I've got your burden. I'll walk with you through it. So ask the Holy Spirit to pinpoint areas where maybe you're overly proud. Maybe it's something you've accomplished. Maybe it's a relationship. You know, maybe there's an an area of your life where it's just all about you. Ask him to pinpoint those things and what's fueling it in your life. Give him permission to cut things away. To cut things away that are not helping you. Maybe you're here today and you need to ask the Holy Spirit for kind of the opposite thing, to pinpoint ways where you've thought too little of yourself, where you've maybe devalued yourself in your own eyes and the eyes of others. Maybe it's because you've listened to the enemy telling you how screwed up and irretrievably broken you are. God doesn't even want anything to do with you. You're so messed up. You know, the enemy loves to whisper in our ears thoughts like that. And we need to arrest those thoughts and say, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. Maybe you need to say, Holy Spirit, I've been in a dark place in a negative cycle of thinking. Today, I want that to end. Today, I choose to see your perspective of things, including how you see me. Today, I refuse to accept the lie the enemy has put in my ears that I don't matter, that I'm a nobody, because I know that I'm not a nobody to you, Jesus. Truth of the word says this, God made you in his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are worth dying for. You have been bought with a price, and he cares for every need you will ever have. So ask him. Ask him to help you arrest those negative thoughts and replace them with scripture. You know, again, don't just get rid of those negative patterns of thinking because the enemy has other ones he'll try and throw at you. Replace it with the truth of God's word. You want to arrest that negative way of thinking or even your pride? You need to kick it in the teeth with some scripture. That's how you do this. That's how we battle. That's what our weapons are that are stronger than the weapons of this world. Replace them with scripture. Declare over your life, I am the head and not the tail. Amen? Every hair on my head is numbered. I am worth more than the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. I am blessed. I am called. I am chosen. We sing it. I am anointed, highly favored. He looks on me with eyes of favor. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. That's what's true about my life according to this word. 
Amen? And here's the beauty. Those things are true of me. They're true of you. Not because of anything you have done or anything you can do, but because of who he is. So above all else, say, Holy Spirit, help me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus today. Keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hallelujah. We're going to worship in just a moment. I want to invite you to stand with me. As the team gets ready, we're going to have a number of songs of worship. We're going to enjoy water baptism together. You know, with water baptism, what we celebrate is this miracle. It's not because of anything I've done. It's because of how amazing God is. That he invites us into life as a new creation. Baptism means this. We have died with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me, says Paul. And we live on as new creations in his strength, in his power. As we worship and get ready, I just want to let you know, there's going to be some people at the sides of the sanctuary today who would love to pray with you. And I've noticed something over the course of the last few years with COVID. Maybe it's because we're afraid to get sick of everybody. But you need to be amongst people praying. You know, it's become less and less frequent that people want prayer. But we need to pray with one another. Amen? We need to not just hear the word. We need to be doers of the word. And sometimes that first step is just say, I need somebody to pray with me that this would be cemented in my heart that I could walk it out this week. So I want to encourage you today. If you're here today and God's been speaking to you about something, maybe it's the way you think about yourself. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I realize that I've just been really battling my pride lately. Or it could be that you're saying, I've been thinking such negative thoughts about myself. I'm in a dark place. I need, I need somebody just to help me find truth and to pray over me. Whatever it may be, you may be here today and you just have a need in your life and you need prayer. I want to encourage you. Let's become a people who go to one another in prayer. Amen? There may even be something you need to confess today. You know, James doesn't say just go in a dark place and confess to the Lord. He says confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. You want healing in your life. We need to move toward each other, not from each other. So I want to encourage you, don't just be a hearer of the word today. If the Lord has spoken to you even a little bit, find someone to pray with. As we're worshiping him, celebrating everything he has done for us, go to somebody and say, let's pray together. Amen? Yeah, that could be one of our prayer partners at the side. That could be your U plus two group that's here with you. Whatever it is, pray with somebody. Amen? Let's pray together. We're going to worship. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the practicality of your word that reaches right into where we are right now in our hearts. And Lord, I know that we tend to struggle with these things. Lord, set us free. It is for freedom that you set us free. It's for freedom that you laid down your life for us. So Lord, help us not to sink back into these extremities of thinking that Paul calls out. Lord, help us to to come to you and say, Lord, I want your, your word to teach me how to think about myself, how to walk in true humility, and to love on others, and to walk with you, and to touch others the way you touch them. Lord, I pray that you show us how to do that. And Lord, like Paul says, it starts with what's going on on the inside. So we bring our whole selves to you today, and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Have your way in me. Whatever needs to be changed in me, Lord, I bring it to you. Come and work on my heart. Come and renew my mind. Come and transform me from the inside out. Father, as we worship you, 
as we lift you up in this place, would you draw all hearts to yourself? And would you help us, Lord, to just stand in awe of you today? Help us, Lord, to be there for each other in the place of prayer. Lord, I pray that you break chains in this place today, set people free, that you move us into the life that you have, not just for me, but for all of us. Lord, you're renewing us day by day. Though we have things that press against us, Paul says, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And when that renewal goes viral, that's called a revival, and we want to see it more and more in our church, in our land, in our nation, Lord. We want to see it. So we commit ourselves, and we just say, Holy Spirit, come have your way here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.